Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The lines are loaded. I think they're well coached. When you have that parade, you want to do it again. When the schedule came out, we circled this one. The Lions have the makings of a team that can make a run in the playoffs. Watch the throw. Does end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. We ain't done yet. Touchdown, Kansas City. Nothing matters until you're on that football field playing. Mahomes, magic. Oh, my. We are ready to rock. Guys, we are one week away from the kickoff of the NFL season. That's why there's a big one next to me. Welcome to NFL Live. This time next week, we're going to be preparing for Lions Chiefs presented by YouTube TV. Welcome to NFL Live. Really fun show coming your way today. We've got a lot to get to, of course, just a week out. And we've got our friends here, Mina Kime. Bill Barnwell joins us today as well as Kimberly Martin with the latest around the league. We'll get to some news in just a little bit. Also later, a report from Bengals practice on Joe Burrow's health. But let's begin with the reigning Super Bowl champions who hit the field in seven days. The Chiefs are hoping, I'm sure, that the key piece of their defense, Chris Jones, is playing. His status is uncertain for the opener as he's looking for a new deal. Chiefs GM Brett Veach had this to say about the latest on the star D lineman. I'm certainly hopeful for that. Um... You know, we have been in communication and uh, actually just the last two days, um, we've been in more communication. So um, we're going to continue to press on and, and, and work hard and a lot of respect on, on both sides of this thing. And um, I mean, it's been obviously well stated how we feel about Chris and he feels the same way. So, again, we're just going to keep keep working on this thing. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to next Thursday and, and hopefully he's in the lineup and he's ready to go. Jones is unquestionably the most important player on the Chiefs defense. Over the last five seasons, the Chiefs lead the NFL in pressure rate when Jones is on the field. However, when he's on the sideline, Kansas City ranks in the bottom five of the league in that category. I don't know if he's giving them these same numbers, but he should be. I'm not even sure he needs to because, Bill, we know how important he is. (laughs) How concerning is Chris Jones' absence to you? Laura, it's particularly important in this exact matchup because of what the Lions have on the offensive line. This is one of the best offensive lines in football and particularly one of the best tackle groups in football with Penny Sewell on the right side and Taylor Decker on the left side. So you figure the way to attack the Lions, if you're going to attack them, is in the middle. And guess who plays in the middle? It's Chris Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in all of football. So it's absolutely going to disrupt the best plans for the Chiefs on defense if they don't have Chris Jones for this matchup. Could not agree more. Uh, I think the depth on that Chiefs defensive line behind Chris Jones is a concern. It's a very young group. And while normally uh, with Steve Spagnuolo coaching this defense, I would expect him to dial up some uh, terrifying blitzes as he is known to do Uh, I don't think that's a good plan against this Detroit Lions team. Uh, This is an offense that with Jared Goff last year ranked third in QBR versus the Blitz, which is very different, by the way, from who Jared Goff was for most of his career. But for a litany of reasons, the offensive line, which Bill alluded to, the scheme, the players who are very good at picking up yards after the catch, uh, they were an offense you did not want to blitz. So if I was Kansas City, 
That is not a plan I would go to. You really hope Chris Jones is on the field, though, because outside of him, that is not a four-man rush that I would put near the top of the NFL by any measure. Yeah, Laura, I feel like Chris Jones should just send a screenshot of that graphic that you just introduced <laughs> where it shows how productive he is and what, what the Chiefs look like without him and just text that to Veach because that's his leverage because the Chiefs understand our defense completely different without him. And if I'm the Lions and I'm Tan Campbell and we want to eat kneecaps and all that, run the ball up the middle, take advantage of this Chiefs defensive line without Chris Jones in it if he's not there. I think Chris Jones understands the leverage he has because this is a different team and a different outlook without him on the field. Okay, I have another number for Chris Jones here. So, Chris, if you're watching, here you go. Um, Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks last season. No other Chiefs player had more than six sacks. That's less than half mm -hmm. for anybody calculating at home. All right, to the Chiefs opponent for next week's <laughs> opener, the Lions. They had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last season, especially when it came to defending the pass. Detroit allowed the highest QBR in the second most yards per pass attempt in the NFL. As a result, the Lions revamped their secondary during the offseason. They'll have three new starters, and that doesn't even include rookie Brian Branch, who a lot of, a lot of us are excited about out of, out of Alabama. He's the versatile defensive back. The Lions drafted him in the second round. But, Bill, what are your expectations for this new-look revamped secondary for these Lions? Laura, you used the exact word. I think matters most here, and that's versatility in terms of what they can present to opposing offenses. They add Will Harris, who is, is a player who can play pretty much every spot in the secondary. He can play corner, can play in the slot, can play free safety, can play strong safety. Now you add Brian Branch out of Alabama in the second round who can play corner and who can play free safety. And then on top of that, you sign Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was an excellent slot corner with the Saints, moves to the Eagles last year, and plays at a Pro Bowl level when he was healthy at safety. So now you have these three players who can all line up in different places before the snap, do different things after the snap, and that's going to be critical for the Lions in this game because they're going to have to confuse Patrick Mahomes. You can't stop the Chiefs, but if you can slow Mahomes down after the snap for a second with his post-snap processing, give him something he's not expecting, maybe you can limit them, maybe create some opportunities for your pass rush to create sacks. It, much like Bill, I really like the additions that the Lions made in their secondary this offseason because of that versatility he alluded to, which I think will be tremendously helpful if the Chiefs come out as they did last season with two or even three tight ends on the field. They have a lot of players who I think match up well with those tight ends. It's always hard to say someone matches up well with Travis Kelsey, but they've got the bodies. My concern, actually, is when the Chiefs do come out with those tight ends on the field, what happens when they run the ball? Because as much as I love this Detroit makeover in the secondary, it's up front where I'm still concerned. Uh, this was a Detroit run defense that was atrocious last year that frankly lost them a lot of football games. And that, to me, is actually the biggest concern I have about the entire team. One thing about this Chiefs offense, Laura, is, and this I think I would really point to the last year as being an evolution. If you can, if you can, if you have a bad run defense, they will run the ball on you. They are not afraid to ground and pound, and they have the offensive line in the backs to do so, which is very interesting to say about a, a, a unit with uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course, at quarterback. So that's something I would be worried about in this matchup if I was Detroit and something I expect the Chiefs to try to exploit. 
Yeah, other teams are like, it isn't enough to just have Patrick Mahomes and, you know, all these weapons that seemingly every year there's somebody <laughs> who pops out who's really good other than Travis Kelsey. But then also you can run the football. Okay, cool, Chiefs. We see you. Uh, new yes. one NFL Live, guys. Adam Schefter <laughs> tweeting this. The NFL said there will be no action taken by the league against Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill for the incident he was involved in this summer. So keeping track of that as we get closer and closer to the start of the season just a week away. And we're just getting started here on NFL Live. TJ Hawkinson agreed to a new contract contract with the Vikings today that makes him the highest paid tight end in the league. So what does that mean for his quarterback, Kirk Cousins? We discussed. Plus, Justin Fields is one of the examples of a new quarterback wide receiver duo. His, of course, with DJ Moore. We're going to talk about some of these new tandems. Find out which one Mina believes is the perfect fit. It's all coming your way next on NFL Live. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Monday Night Football kicks off with a week one matchup presented by YouTube TV. Josh Allen and the Bills squaring off against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets on September 11th. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters on the call at 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. Peyton and Eli are on ESPN2 and coverage begins with Monday Night Countdown at 6 Eastern. Hey, a big day for the Vikings and T.J. Hawkinson as he signed a four-year, $68.5 million extension as reported by Adam Schefter, making him the highest-paid tight end in NFL history. Good for Hawk. Now interesting to see how the tight end market is affected here, likely reset. How about this from Sheffy? <laughs> After he's the highest-paid tight end of the league, he said, magically, his ear infection and back pain, they limited him in, in practice time this summer. They're feeling a lot better today. That's obviously very much uh, tongue-in-cheek, but listen, if I had an ear infection and I made millions, I'd probably be feeling better too. Mina, <laughs> how much of a key <laughs> to this offense is Hawkinson? I thought last season after the trade, TJ had a pretty big impact on this Vikings passing attack uh, in a couple of ways. One, Kirk Cousins was attacking downfield far more. And some of that just had to do with TJ's presence on the field, diverting some attention away from Justin Jefferson. But it was meaningful. The other thing was, while the Vikings offense was primarily an 11 personnel offense, meaning three wide receivers, when they did use 12 personnel, two tight ends, they went from 31st in EPA per play per pass before the trade to 7th afterwards. I actually think, Laura, that number, both the usage and the efficiency, could go up even farther this year. Because last season, whenever the Vikings had two tight ends on the field, teams did not respect the threat of the run. Even though they ran the ball a fair amount, 
They only faced base defense, meaning three linebackers on the field, 15% of the time. The average in the NFL is 54%. Mm. Now, this year, they bring in Josh Oliver, who's a good blocking tight end from Baltimore. And I think with that combination, with the versatility you have, that grouping with two tight ends is going to be far less predictable, far more multiple. And I think it's going to be extremely productive for Minnesota. And obviously, TJ will benefit from that as a result because he'll finally get some mismatches. Yeah, Bill, you see it on the screen. This nets out to $17.1 million per year for Hawkinson. Why does the deal make financial sense for the Vikings? We're seeing the Vikings do a thing that a number of NFL teams are doing who are more quantitatively inclined, and that's spending on tight ends as opposed to spending that money on a second wide receiver because of how little the tight end market has grown while the wide receiver market has been skyrocketing over that same time frame. TJ Hawkinson's deal, which did reset the quarterback or reset the tight end market, I should say, excuse me, would only be 18th in the NFL amongst wide receivers. He's getting paid a little less than Christian Kirk is getting paid by the Jaguars for comparison. So if you're an NFL team that wants to save money at receiver or maybe has a very talented receiver about to get a raise to about $30 million per year, as the Vikings are with Justin Jefferson, maybe better to have that second option be a tight end as opposed to a more expensive veteran wide receiver. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I, I think even though this has reset the tight end market in some ways, it's still going to be a better option for a lot of teams to grab a tight end instead of some of these more expensive receivers. Uh, Bill, what does this mean, though, for Kirk Cousins? We're seeing the Vikings build a, a future with some very expensive pieces on offense. They have Justin Jefferson about to get an enormous raise. Uh, Hawkinson just got a big deal. Brian O'Neill, their right tackle, got a big deal. Christian Derisaw, their left tackle, could be next. And so when you're spending that much money on offense, it raises some questions about whether you're going to also spend money on your starting quarterback. And what the Vikings did this offseason was very curious. They restructured Kirk Cousins' deal to create more cap space but didn't give him any more guaranteed years or any more money coming on after 2023. Right now, Kirk Cousins projects to be a free agent unless the Vikings give him a new contract. So mm. at the very least, given how much they're spending around Kirk Cousins, it's going to be tough for them mm. to do that and pay Kirk Cousins upwards of $40 million per year as well on a new extension. Yeah, um, really fast. The Mina Kime show featuring Lenny, the all hipster team that's in your most recent pod, which is fascinating. <laughs> Wasn't Kirk Cousins like right there on the quarterback list? Did I hear that right? Well, I, I said, and I, I, I actually believe that he has become kind of underrated. And I, th this is something that actually Patrick Mahomes <laughs> pointed to when on their show quarterback. But I really believe um, last year in the second half of the season, Kirk Cousins was playing really good football. And to Bill's point, the Vikings have put him in a position to succeed this year. I mean, if you're listening to us, we sound optimistic about this offense, which, of course, puts the team in an interesting position, to your point about paying him, because he might actually pay better and be too expensive for them as a result. Man, that'd be interesting. All right, time for some on-trend, guys. We're going to present a stat from the preseason. Bill and Mina are going to tell us if the trend will continue into the regular season or not. So we start with the Jets, whose defensive front wreaked havoc during the preseason. I know it's preseason football, but the Jets' defense sacked opposing quarterbacks at the second-highest rate in the NFL, and that's despite the fact that they blitz at the third-lowest rate in the league. Bill, do you expect this to carry over into the regular season? I do. I expect it to carry over, and it's going to need to carry over 
for the New York Jets. We saw players who were not their superstars up front making big plays. Guys like Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson, their first-round pick from a year ago. But it wasn't Carl Lawson. It wasn't Quinn and Williams. If those guys play and they play well, great. But it's good to have that depth because they were a very healthy team last season. Jets were the healthiest defense in all of football a year ago. Now, we can't count on that to recur year after year, but we can count on them having the sort of depth at pass rusher they're going to need to pull out games in a very tough AFC East. Next up is Pittsburgh, where second-year running back Jalen Warren was a force this preseason. We know Mina's high on the Steelers. Warren only had six carries, but he made the most of them, running for 89 yards, two touchdowns. He led all running backs and expected points <laughs> added per carry, and it wasn't close. Mina, do you expect Warren to replicate this success during the regular season? Uh, I'm laughing. I, it's not going to be that high, obviously. It's coming off of six carries, but I chose him being the best running back in the preseason um, because I wanted to highlight how much I like Jalen Warren as a player. The fact that I think he flashed last year potential to get, or I, I think, sort of production that deserves more carries alongside Najee Harris. And another reason why I think that will continue is I really like the investment the Steelers have made in their offensive line. They add Isaac Sayamalu, the guard out of Philadelphia, to continue shoring up the interior. And I think with the passing game improving as well, there'll be more space for these backs. Really hope Jalen Warren gets the football. Yeah, Kenny Pickett, uh, MVP of the preseason so far in a lot of ways. To some sad news, we've learned today that Gil Brandt, the Dallas Cowboys Hall of Fame scout who revolutionized the collection of information on NFL prospects, has died at the age of 91. Jameer Howerton, host of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Mission podcast, brings us more on Brandt's career. Gil Brandt was highly regarded as one of the best player personnel administrators during his 29-year career with the Dallas Cowboys. As the vice president of player personnel, he helped the Cowboys grow into one of the most powerful and popular sports franchises in America. His scouting you know, helped us tremendously in the early years as we developed as a football team. It was Gil Brandt's eye for talent and the scouting system he put in place that helped transform the Cowboys from an expansion team to America's team. The Cowboys put together 20 consecutive winning seasons, appeared in five Super Bowls, including victories in Super Bowl VI and XII during his tenure. Gill oversaw the drafting of 11 Cowboys who are now enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Some honorable mentions, Troy Aikman, Rayfield Wright, Bob Hayes, and Roger Staubach. Brandt was the first one to use computers for scouting and talent evaluations. The first one to use psychological tests to evaluate the makeup of players under pressure. It was the way he and the Cowboys graded college players that led to building the NFL Scouting Combine to streamline the evaluation process. He will be remembered for pioneering many of the scouting techniques used by NFL clubs today. My life has been an incredible journey, all inspired by football. I've been fortunate enough to see this growth of this game the past 60 years. Jerry Jones said today, Gill was as good a storyteller as it gets with a memory as sharp as a tack. His dedication to and passion for this game left a lasting impact on generations.
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. ESPN Fantasy Football is the number one fantasy game with the season right around the corner just a week away. Get your league started now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. So if you're putting together your fantasy team, maybe you already have, you're all ears to who's going to put up some big numbers this season. There are some dynamic new quarterback wide receiver connections of note. Let's start with Justin Fields and DJ Moore. For Fields, I'm so excited to finally see him with an electric receiver. Interested to see what he looks like in this offense, especially with Moore. And Fields is going to look to continue a recent trend of young quarterbacks improving significantly after their team added a number one wide receiver, which the Bears did with DJ Moore. Last season, Tua Tungabailoa and Jalen Hurts jumped into the top five of the NFL and QBR. After the Dolphins added Tyreek Hill, the Eagles acquired A.J. Brown. Following the Bills' acquisition of Stephon Diggs back in 2020, Josh Allen posted the third best QBR in the NFL after ranking 24th in the previous season. It makes sense. Give him a big weapon. It's going to work out. All right. So, Bill, we start with you. What are your expectations (laughs) for this Fields and Moore duo? I'm really excited to see these two guys play together because Justin Fields has finally got a receiver who can win at all three levels of the field. No disrespect to Darnell Mooney, who is a a very talented, deep player and who catches screens and is going to make plays up the line of scrimmage. But DJ Moore is a player who can win at the intermediate level. He can win on 50-50 balls. He can win over the middle of the field. We saw him make that crazy catch in in that game last year against the Falcons to extend the game. I mean, he can do anything on the football field if you get him the football. So very excited to see Justin Fields unlocked with a new true number one receiver. Yeah, it's that versatility that makes me so excited uh, about DJ Moore in this offense, particularly because Justin Fields last year, sometimes it was hard to divorce his passing numbers from his lackluster receiving group. But while he was actually pretty good throwing to the intermediate part of the field, zero to t- or probably 10 to 20 yards, he was eighth in QBR 
He ranked near the bottom of the NFL on deep balls and on short stuff. And as you saw in the preseason, well, this DJ Moore guy, he's pretty good on short stuff. Yeah, that screen was actually a little bit off target, but it didn't matter. And I'm excited to see how much he helps Fields with his skill set. Yeah, uh, 90 of DJ Moore's 102 receiving yards in the preseason came after the catch. That gets you excited thinking about what this offense will look like. Let's go to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson's connection with OBJ. This may be even bigger than their connection on the field because we all felt like the second that OBJ was uh, got signed there, that, that felt like Lamar was staying. Either way, under new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, we get to see these two cook alongside Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman. So, Bill, we start with you once again. What are your expectations for Lamar and OBJ together? I think Odell is going to be a security blanket for Lamar Jackson. It's going to be a lot of throws over the middle of the field, the slants, the glance off the RPOs. Um, it's going to be about getting the ball to Odell in tight spaces, and a guy who he can trust is going to, to win those balls where there's tight coverage. Odell, realistically, maybe he's not the guy who's going to accelerate away from people for 90-yard touchdowns anymore. He's not going to be a guy who's going to run go routes and go for long scores very often, maybe once in a while here and there. But really, it's about getting Lamar Jackson, a guy besides Mark Andrews, who he trusts in the intermediate range, over the middle of part of the yeah. field, and in tight windows. What I love about that point about OBJ flourishing in the middle of the field is because the Ravens' rushing attack is so hard to stop, because defenses, second-level defenders, are so concerned about Lamar Jackson carrying mm -hmm. the football or giving it to one of the, the Ravens' several good backs, uh, there are often wide-open zones in that part of the field. Mark Andrews has benefited from this at times. Lamar Jackson is comfortable throwing there as a result. And if defenses decide to put a bunch of bodies there, we've seen that approach sometimes, well, then you got Zay Flowers on the outside now. So I really love this pairing. I love OBJ's skill set. I love that he can flourish where Lamar already likes to throw. Yeah, there have been some who were like, oh, the Ravens are just going to be throwing it all over the place. Having spent a ton of time watching Todd Munkin in college, he's still going to want to run the football as their offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. So once again, as the Ravens have been known for, I think the run game will be strong. Let's go to Vegas, the Jimmy G, Devontae Adams connection. Jimmy G so familiar with Josh McDaniel's offense from his time with the Patriots and Devontae Adams, still one of the best wideouts in the game. So Mina, what does this look like for the Raiders? I like this pairing a little bit less than the ones we just spoke about. I mean, I'll say this. It's Devontae <laughs> Adams. He's going to be amazing no matter what. He's one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. But last year, Adams flourished on deep balls. He ranked first in the NFL, touchdowns and 20 air yard plus passes, second in total yards. Jimmy G, while uh, you know has uh, some qualities that I think make a lot of sense to this offense, he does not like to throw the ball deep. So while I do think he'll target Adams, I also suspect we will see Adams on the sideline running downfield wide open, not getting the football. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening, Nina. That's, 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 you can paint that on the Etch-a-Sketch already if you want to before it even happens. Oh. I, I am concerned about maybe like. the Raiders not getting the most out of Devontae Adams relative to what we know he does really well, which is yeah. he's such a great improviser. Of course, he's great at the line of scrimmage. He's great at running routes. He's great at beating defenders. But he's great on scramble drills. He's great at, at finding open space, using his natural feel for coverages to get to places where his quarterback can get him the football. And in years past, 
He's had quarterbacks he's familiar with. Of course, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And last year, even with Derek Carr, of course, they had that connection from college. Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams are starting fresh, and Garoppolo didn't even have minicamp to work with Devontae Adams. So still, really, that could be a situation where it's a work in progress. And we can see Devontae Adams frustrated in all kinds of ways. We don't have to be limiting it to downfield throws. He'll be frustrated in multiple situations for the Raiders in 2023. Mina already sketched that like, while we were just talking. She's that good. Um, <laughs> how about the Raiders' former quarterback, Derek Carr, now with the Saints, and Michael Thomas. You hope Michael Thomas is healthy, right? That's always the caveat everyone should throw out there. Still should be a really fun duo. It's an NFC South. It feels like it's anyone's to win. So, Mina, what do you think about Carr and Thomas, that duo? This one makes a lot of sense. I know I just talked about Derek Carr throwing deep balls to Devontae Adams uh, last year, but for most of his career, uh, his greatest proficiency has been on short, intermediate throws in rhythm. That ball is coming out fast. It is accurate. And that's where Michael Thomas eats. Uh, famously, he is known for catching the football on slants. And I think Derek Carr <laughs> will be all too happy to deliver him the football uh, on those routes. So I, I think this could be a very fruitful pairing. I knew a slant boy reference was coming from you, Mina. I, you're absolutely <laughs> correct to say Shout out that, that, that's Davis. where Michael Thomas thrives. But, <laughs> but what I will say is that there is a change happening here with the Saints offense. Even when Michael Thomas was injured yeah. these past couple years, he was expected to be the alpha in this offense, the number one receiver. And he had crazy target rates, upwards of 30% when he was playing with Drew Brees. The offense has changed. Chris Olave is the number one receiver in this offense, and he's only going to get better in year two. Alvin Kamara, when he comes back from suspension, is going to have a big role in the passing game. Uh, Rashad Shahid played very well last year. Juwan Johnson looked really exciting uh, uh, playing tight end a year ago. So lots of mouths to feed in this mm -hmm. offense. And I wonder, is Michael Thomas going to be able to adjust to an offense where he's not the primary receiver, where he's going to be going a quarter or a half without seeing a target because he can still make a difference, but it has to be different from what he was several years ago. Yeah, it's interesting because you think about his health, and it does feel like that would be better for Michael Thomas if he is healthy enough to play at all, which we think he should be, not being used as much. You might get a little bit more staying power, especially for a team that we think could go deep into the playoffs. All right, still to come here on NFL Live, Nick Bosa has not reached a new deal with the 49ers. Find out why Bill thinks this could cause a ripple effect in other units on the defense if there isn't a resolution soon. We'll get into that next on NFL Live on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Live, we welcome you back here from Jeremy Fowler. The Patriots claimed quarterback Matt Corral, a source confirmed, giving New England a second quarterback behind Mac Jones in the 53-man roster. Reminder, any player who was awarded to a team off of waivers initially required to be placed in a 53-man roster. This, of course, after yesterday when the Patriots re-signed both Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham to their practice squad. Bill Belichick just doing what he does best, figuring this all out to best benefit his squad. All right, for all the talk about the 49ers offense and a team that's once again a Super Bowl contender, we should also be talking about their defense and the one glaring issue, Nick Bosa, still doesn't have a new deal as we're now just a week away from the season beginning. This thing's coming down to the wire. So here's what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had to say about it. I thought it would come probably to this time, just looking at the history of those things. Um, and I'm really hoping it gets done. I know they're working tirelessly at it. John Hamp, Prague, I know their, their team is. And, but um, hopefully we can get him in here sooner than later. And no updates. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick to that. But communication, and that's a good thing. So I'll leave it at that. All right, so maybe it's moving forward. Kimberly, what do you make of what Lynch said there? Yeah, Laura, I think John Lynch's face says it all. This man has been through it. He's trying to get this done. The communication, I can tell you, has been good, and it has been healthy between both sides. Laura, the 49ers are working hard to get this done because, let's be honest, the 49ers admitted they whiffed on Trey Lance. This team cannot afford to botch a Bosa deal. They need this guy in the fold, and they're hopeful that this will get done. Yeah, the 49ers had the top-ranked defense in the NFL last season. However, that was under former defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, who was replaced by Steve Wilkes. They continued to add to their defensive line by signing former Eagles defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, who had 11 sacks last season, fourth most among defensive tackles. But, Phil, how could Bosa's absence impact this defense? Because I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle how important he also is to the play of that unit. No question. He's one of the best players in football, full stop, regardless of position. But the Niners at least have a short-term plan to deal with possibly missing Nick Bosa. They added Javon Hargrave this offseason, and Hargrave was one of the best interior pass rushers in all of football. And I think the Niners added him with the hopes that they could even unlock him further by giving him more leeway to rush the quarterback. He's going to go from playing gap and a half in, in Philadelphia to being more of a one-gap rusher here in San Francisco. Yeah. A scary sight for opposing quarterbacks. And on top of that, we know Chris Kasurik, the Niners defensive line coach, has an incredible track record of unlocking players who struggled elsewhere into being impactful players on the pass rush for the 49ers. It could be Clellan Farrell, the former top five pick from the Raiders. Kerry Hyder is back for the Niners. Guys without big names, but who could play meaningful roles if Bose is not available in week one. Now, at the top of the show, we talked about the Chiefs' defensive line and how in week one, if they didn't have Chris Jones, they wouldn't be able to exploit the Lions' offensive line, which is still very good on the interior, but the tackles are where they're strong. I think when we talk about week one with San Francisco and Pittsburgh, the opposite is true, where I think Steelers have really bolstered the interior mm -hmm. of their offensive line. And with Nick Bosa, the Niners would have been able to capitalize on rushing from the edge without him that becomes less of a matchup advantage, even if, as Bill correctly said, they do still have a lot of manpower because you've got Javon Hargrave on the inside. 
Um, the thing about Steve Wilkes, you know, coming in as defensive coordinator, expectation is they're going to run a pretty similar defense. He does have a history of blitzing more, however. And one would think, without Nick Bosa, they might be a little bit more aggressive rushing the passer. My concern there against Pittsburgh is the Steelers, I believe, biggest advantage in this game is their wide receivers, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens in particular, against the San Francisco 49ers quarterback. So it's a little bit risky to blitz them because, well, if Kenny Pickett throws the ball up to Deontay Johnson or George Pickens, pretty good chance that there's, it's going to be a completion. Yeah, those guys have, I mean, we, we were talking about Pickett being the MVP of the preseason quarterback-wise. A, a lot of it has to do with those weapons. And, of course, that game oh, coming yeah. up in just a few days, September 10th, the 49ers take on the Steelers. Steve Wilkes, by the way, one of 12 new defensive coordinators in the NFL this season. That doesn't include the Bills, who left that spot vacant and will turn to defensive play-calling duties over to Sean McDermott following Leslie Frazier's departure. So, time for some quick reads. Give me the new defensive coordinator that will have a big impact with their new team. Bill, you go first. I'm going to go with Ishiro Evero in Carolina with the Panthers. And this is fueled in part by his success last year with the Denver Broncos, where he was excellent. That defense was third in the NFL in EPA per play allowed before December when they were hit with a ton of injuries. And I think the team sort of gave up realizing everyone was going to be moving on after this season. But young players really thrive there. I'm excited about what JC Horn, Brian Burns, and the rest of the young players in Carolina can do with this new defensive coordinator. From a rising star to a guy who's been around this league for a while and had a lot of success, Jim Schwartz joining the Cleveland Browns as their defensive coordinator after stints with Tennessee and helping Philadelphia. I, I really love this pairing. I think that the Browns defense has a lot of talent but hasn't really lived up to that talent over the last couple of years. I think we're going to see some tweaks, some more attacking front, which he is known for, that wide nine scheme, a bit more man coverage on the back end, which I think these DBs are well equipped to play. Yeah, from a guy who's been around to a guy who I don't think was actually on that list, it is Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Listen, the Bills' defense has been very good. They were very good last season, except they faltered down the stretch, and I witnessed that firsthand when they played the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs. McDermott doesn't need to overhaul this scheme that Leslie Frazier had under, you know, when he was play calling, but McDermott will tweak it. And internally, there were thoughts that, you know what, Leslie Frazier wasn't as aggressive as he needed to be. Well, now it all falls on Sean McDermott as head coach and defensive coordinator. It's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. And again, Leslie Frazier temporarily stepping away from the team. Up next, Joe Burrow back at practice. You guys, after injuring his cap earlier this offseason, you see him out there. We've got a live report from Bengals practice coming up. Find out why Mina thinks a less mobile Burrow takes away one of his biggest strengths. We'll get into that next. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It is back. Action on the field. A season ready to erupt. And have a few Hey, big news on Tuesday is Jonathan Taylor was not traded by the Colts. Instead, he's placed on the physically unable to perform list. Here's GM Chris Ballard on the situation. I mean, the situation, I'm not going to sit here and give you some rosy picture like, oh, this is just, everything's okay. No, it sucks. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor. And it sucks for our fans. It, it just, it does. And it's, it's where we're at. And we've got to work through it. And we're going to do everything we can to work through it. Relationships are repairable. All right, Kimberly, we'll see if Jonathan Taylor agrees with that. Where do the Colts and Taylor go from here? Laura, I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you that. Because the one thing Jonathan Taylor wants is to get paid or to get traded. And those are two things that, as of right now, the Colts don't seem as though they want to do. He's on the physically unable to perform list for the first four weeks of the season. No one knows if he's actually going to be on the field. They've got time to mend those fences, but I don't know, Laura, if relationships can be salvaged as Chris Ballard thinks. Yeah, either way, he's got to miss those first four games. All right, after a controversial summer in Buffalo where Stephon Diggs missed minicamp and returned the next day, Diggs was named a team captain. Here's his reaction. It means more now than it did when I was my first time ever being named a captain. It's just uh, the consistency of it, um, the respect from your peers. I know the biggest thing for me is always uh, earning the respect from my teammates, earning respect from my coaches. And uh, when you get named the captain, it's like reassurance. Like, damn, you are. You might be halfway decent at what you do. You know what I'm saying? Not just professionally, but as far as like how you represent yourself and who you are as a man. Kimberly, he's a little more than halfway decent, right? What do you think of Diggs' comments? Just a little bit halfway, uh, a little bit more uh, than halfway decent. Um, I love it. Everything's great in Buffalo now. One of the things Stefan Diggs did mention was, oh, there was a lot of chatter this offseason. We block out the outside noise. A lot of that outside noise was brought in because of his, his antics after the play, during the playoff game and also him not showing up. So if that's put to bed, Josh Allen and him are good. The Bills have Super Bowls in their sights been great. Now they just have to put it on the field and get to work. Yeah, Monday Night Football is their debut September 11th against the Jets right here on ESPN. This should make Cincinnati fans smile, okay? Also those of us, me, who think the Bengals will be in the Super Bowl this season. Joe Burrow back at practice, coming off that calf strain, and Zach Taylor said the other day the quarterback has, quote, a very healthy body. Here's what he said today. I thought he looked good. You know, it was good to get him out there. Um, you know, it certainly energizes the team when you get a chance to get your starting quarterback back out there. So I thought he looked good. I don't think there's a defined checklist that we need to see. Um, again, it was just good to get him out there with the team and calling plays in the huddle and all that good stuff at practice. So I think that was encouraging for everybody. We, we've had a timeline that we've we've operated by for a while now, and it's just part of that timeline. Every quarterback's a little bit different, how the ball comes out of the hands and the timing, and um, it didn't look like he'd missed many practices. Yeah, it didn't, uh, from what we can see. He's not doing a whole lot. But Ben Baby joining us from Bengals practice. Ben, what's the locker room saying about Burrow's comeback? 
You know, just like you heard Zach Taylor say, the players say that it's almost like Burrow never missed any time, even though he's been out for most of the last six weeks. Now, Burrow was unofficially limited in his second straight practice back. We spoke to Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan just a few minutes ago, and he had three important points. He said that Burrow still is in shape, his arm is in shape, and the timing looks good. None of those three things have been affected. And, and like Zach Taylor said earlier, when I asked him about the timing of Burrow coming back, he said that they had a plan in place that Bengals were able to get two practices in before they go on this extended break, before they get ready for week one. Now speaking uh, to Callahan about the, the plan for Burrow moving forward, the next steps are to get him in those intense team periods, which is something that Burrow has not done yet. The Bengals are being cautious about who is around him, having players react to him. They don't want to have him uh, something uh, drastic occur as he's kind of taking steady steps back from that calf injury. And speaking to the mobility for Burrow, I asked uh, Zach Taylor about that, and he said that the training staff and the strength staff led by Joey Bose, Matt Summers, and Nick Cosgray have kept that mobility in mind and what he's able to do as they work him in and get him ready for that season opener on week one. Yeah, it's really interesting, Ben. Thanks so much for joining us here. Because, Mina, I think that's kind of what we're all looking at. How well can he actually move? And yeah. how concerning along those lines is the calf injury for you? The mobility is going to be the thing that I'm watching for uh, over the first few weeks of the season. Because Joe Burrow, even if he's immobile in the pocket with that ball coming out quick, he's fantastic at throwing in rhythm. He's had one of the quickest releases in football last season. But there's a difference between being efficient and making the spectacular plays that he does at times. And many of those come, as you see here, when he is on the move. In fact, on plays where he was what the NFL classifies on the move, which is eight miles per hour or more, he had the best QBR in football last wow. year. He had the highest completion percentage over expectation in football last year. That's a metric from Next Gen Stats that basically looks at the difficulty of the throw. So a lot of those wow plays came when he was breaking contain as he so often does. And something I'm nervous about and something I'll be watching for carefully is to see what does it look like when he is forced to do that. Yeah, something I'm always nervous about is whether or not he's protected by the offensive line. Bill, the Bengals adjusted their own line again, moving Jonah Williams to right tackle with the addition of Orlando Brown, who's obviously yeah. a great offensive lineman in his own right. But how confident are you in their ability to protect Burrow, especially knowing he may not be 100%? I'm a little nervous, especially in this first game of the season where, as you mentioned, Orlando Brown is taking his first snaps for the Bengals at left tackle. Jonah Williams is now moving to the right side. He struggled a bit at left tackle last season. Still a good player, but moving from the left side to the right side is tough, and there's going to be an adjustment period for the Bengals as they deal with that. So you have Joe Burrow, maybe he's a little less mobile. You'd love to see him playing the Cardinals or somebody in week one. Instead, they're playing the Browns, who have a devastating pass rush mm. on paper with Miles Garrett. I don't need any introduction there. Sedari Smith is over here. Dalvin Tomlinson is joined on the interior. And Jim Schwartz, who Mina talked about in the last segment, is so good at using fronts and using shifts to get his defensive linemen one-on-one matchups against the worst pass blockers on the other team. So if one of those tackles struggles early on, if the interior of the line struggles, don't be surprised to see Miles Garrett lining up against those guys over and over again against a limited Joe Burrow. I think, I think we're all like making the same face. It's like, uh, 
<laughs> this is not good. Uh, hopefully it's, it's totally fine. You know what's sticking out to me, guys, as we're talking about the season being a week away? How great the NFL is at making these matchups so fascinating. There are some excellent games week one, and we're getting so, so yes. close. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. Thanks for being here.